Hey, and welcome to Beyond Motherhood Radio. I am so honored to share this space with you. Here we'll talk all things motherhood, parenting, relationships, mindset, child development, and tapping into your purpose, all to help you live your most aligned and best life. My name is Brittany, and I am married to my high school sweetheart, a mother to four children under the age of six, a certified parenting coach, and a former elementary school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. I am on a mission to help you raise amazing humans while living your purpose and staying somewhat sane in the process. If you're ready to go beyond motherhood, let's jump in. Welcome back to Beyond Motherhood Radio. My name is Brittany LaJoy and I am your host. I want to take a moment first today to give a little background for the thought behind today's topic and a little trigger warning here. I will be talking about mass shootings and tragedy. If you're a Mainer, you're very aware of the devastating mass shooting that took place a couple of weeks ago in Lewiston. And if you're not from Maine, let me just explain Maine for you. Maine, as a state, is more like a community. We're like one big extended family. Lewiston, the city where the mass shooting and consequently the manhunt took place, has a population of about 36,000 people. And it's the second largest city in the entire state. When the shooting took place, the shock fear and devastation completely rattled the entire state. Following the shooting, where 18 innocent people, men, women, and a 14-year-old child lost their lives, there ensued a manhunt. The manhunt lasted 36 hours in which we were debilitated in fear. There were shelter-in-place mandates, and where I live, we are about 40 minutes from the shooting, but the fear of the shooter's unknown location, again, sent shockwaves. The event happened on a Wednesday evening, and the following morning, most schools in Maine shut down as the shooter had yet to be caught, and there were so many unknowns. As the days passed, more fear, more unknown. I was glued to my phone for updates as I didn't want to put the TV on with my children in the house. We ended up hunkering down with a few friends down the road as we debriefed. We went through assumptions, and we tried to solve the crime ourselves. There's definitely comfort in community in crisis and chaos. It was there that we found out the next day of school would be closed as well. And then the weekend, all of the Halloween events, then a birthday party, everything was canceled. We're hanging on to what would be canceled next. If you're not from Maine, you might not know the vast amount of woods that we have here. The shooter was said to be a survivalist with extensive skills and military training. The notion is that if he was in the woods, he may never be found. And this is very unsettling, obviously. I'll move the story along for the sake of this intention behind today's podcast. The manhunt came to an end on Friday evening. He was found with a self-inflicted gunshot wound, and the state was finally able to breathe again. It was literally as if we were holding our breath. When I got the text from a group chat that he was found and dead, I literally bawled. My husband said, I didn't know how much this was affecting you, and honestly, I didn't know either. I was holding on to so much fear and anxiety. I was holding it together with the kids at home, putting on a face for safety, also while hiding my internal fear and discomfort. Now we focus on the victims and the families and the healing. Everyone has a connection here. Everyone knew someone affected, directly or indirectly, and everyone in the state has been affected. I'd like to move this conversation to our kids now because events like this, unfortunately, are a reality in our world. And when they hit close to home, it becomes even more real, obviously. And when it affects our family and our kids, in my opinion, there's no other way than to help our kids with age-appropriate conversation. They won't be able to make sense of it all, but they will feel. They will have emotion, sometimes that might present in a way that you, as an adult with a fully developed prefrontal cortex, will not understand. 
But it's not always our job to understand, especially if we don't have the brain science education or specialized training to understand. It is our job to provide safety and security, the two most important S's. When we found out the school was canceled on the first day, there were questions as to why. At first, I kept it very surface level for my six and my five-year-olds. My three-year-old heard the conversation, but didn't even stop playing with his cars or pay any kind of attention. I said this, there's a dangerous man and the police are working hard to find him. While they do that, it's not safe to be in large groups of people like at a school. Our job is to keep you safe and that's what we're doing by staying home today. At this point, there wasn't much back and forth. They seemed to be okay with the explanation and didn't ask questions very much. However, after the manhunt continued, my husband and I felt it important to debrief with them a bit more. We knew that when they got back to school, at this point we were very unsure when that was going to be, they would surely hear things and my point of view is that I will always want to be the information giver. I always want to be the ones that my kids hear the information from. We work really hard, as I know you do too, to protect and shield and respect our kids. Give them autonomy, grace, and honesty as much as possible and as often as possible. With these core values in mind, we decided to dive deeper. As an educator and a mom, I wanted to not only prepare myself for the conversations I may face when returning to school, but I also wanted to prepare my kids. Ultimately, we ended up sharing more details of the event. We talked about the dangerous man as someone who was very sick. I told my kids that just like our bodies, sometimes our brains can get sick. And when that happens and you don't get the help that you need, your brain can sometimes tell you to do harmful and hurtful things. And sometimes people are so sick that they kill and they hurt other people. And this is just not fair. They make really poor choices and these choices they will have to live with and they will never be the same again. The dangerous man killed a lot of people and there are a lot of people who are really, really sad and really angry right now. And we're going to protect and keep you safe. Do you have any questions? This part of the conversation was super enlightening for both me and my husband. My daughter, who is five, asked questions about the why. Why did his brain make him do this? How did he get so sick? Does his family know where he is? And my six-year-old son, on the other hand, he wanted to know the concrete details. How many people died? How did he kill them? And where is he? It made me think of media questions. We answered honestly while continuously reassuring safety, openness, and validation. This won't be the last time that this hits close to home. I know this, and you know this too. So how can we prepare ourselves? The language that we use with our kids allows us to do the most important thing we can do as parents, make them seen and heard. I feel like this is different than prior generations of parents, and I applaud you and us for tackling the conversation and feeling out what best aligns for your family and your values. After the event in Maine, I was chatting with another mom who shares similar values, and she said, moms have been having these types of conversations all around the world for a very long time. And honestly, that just brought me a little bit of peace. These are hard conversations, but they've been had before. First, let's remember that the prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop until age 25. And it doesn't even come online until age 7. Reasoning and making sense of complex issues is something that quite literally is incomprehensible for young children. In a way, you have to realize that you're making meaning for them. How do you want them to form their story? What do you want their internal dialogue to say? For me, I want to ensure that my children know that they can present uncomfortable topics in any way that feels right for them. 
I want them to know that, that they can be vulnerable and scared. They can also simultaneously be brave. Further, I want them to know that their feelings of security come from me. Do they know that I am their home base of safety? Do they run to me when things get tough or will they run away? Studies show that having one, just one, only one secure adult in their lives gives children the opportunity to thrive. One home base, one stable person. So I wanna to talk today about some of the ways to talk to your children and I'll stick with like preschooler age, elementary age about difficult subjects. I think you'll find some language and tips useful for scary, potentially traumatic and definitely fear inducing scenarios that we will all inevitably face. With preschoolers and young elementary students, arguably the biggest question is whether to talk about the tragedy at all. Much of the answer comes down to whether you think they're likely to learn about it elsewhere, say from a classmate, an older sibling, or on the news. Your personal parental values come into play. Some parents believe that even young children should know about what's happening in the world, which has merit. And other parents will wanna shield their children as long as they can and there is merit to this approach as well. If you decide to discuss the shooting or a traumatic event with your preschooler, kindergartner, young elementary student, your primary goals are twofold. Offer very simple information and give ample reassurance that close adults are there for support and protection. Help children name their feelings. For example, a five-year-old might say something like this, I feel bad. Help unpack that feeling. Does bad mean sad, angry, frightened? Learning to label big feelings is a bedrock emotional skill that develops with age and practice. Remember, we want to help build our children's emotional intelligence, and this is a great way to help do that. As children get a little older, like older elementary children, for example, you might start by asking what, if anything, they even know about the event. Depending on when you speak to them, they may have already learned about the shooting from a classmate or another source. At this point, you are listening to how much they know and then present facts in a very calm, informational manner, but you're not sharing unnecessary details, especially if you are not the direct parent. That's important to note here. You're not sharing unnecessary details, especially if you are not the parent, if you are an educator in this scenario. Make sure you ask well, what questions they have, if any, and if they have none, that's okay. In fact, the most common reaction for kids in a scenario like this is no reaction at all. So simply reassure your child that you're available when and if they have questions down the road. But if children do have questions, be careful not to provide too much detail at once. Sometimes kids don't actually want as much information as they're asking for. So attempt to slow down the conversation and give them small pieces at a time. And remember, it's very okay to say, I need more time to think about it, or I'm not sure right now, but I'll find the answer for you. They're very acceptable answers as parents. And a lot of the time, children in the elementary age will tend to focus inward and immediately think that the news applies to them. So reassure as far as safety measures that are around them, that they have around them, like talk about how the school that they go to works to keep them safe, talk about how your home is safe, talk about things that you do to ensure that and to also reassure that an, although these events are very scary, they're still very rare and mostly unlikely. If they ask rapid questions, slow it down. It's important to let your child know that they're not alone in any and all emotions that they experience. Let them know that people handle things in many different ways, even within their own family. So they might see their sister acting in a different way than they're acting, and that's completely okay. We just need to make sure that we are accepting of all types of emotions here. 
For younger students who seem to be more affected over a period of time, providing opportunity to draw and talk and play in regards to their feelings could also be really helpful. This is a strategy that guidance counselors use at school a lot. Keep in mind that young children make sense of their world through their play and by what's modeled to them. Lastly, children thrive in routine and consistency. They are constantly seeking safety and as much as you are able, because you are processing things at the same time, work to provide that routine back for them. This comes from your daily structure, your clear boundaries, consistent rules, immediate feedback, and of course, extra love. I want to note that I'm not a licensed social worker or a therapist. There are some tips that I have accumulated as a teacher and what has worked for my own family, but as always, seek the additional support that you may need for your family and your children in times of tragedy, in times of um, fear and trauma. There is never a one-size-fits-all approach, and you know your children and how they will respond best. So follow your intuition, as I always say, and your children will respond. With that, I hope that you have a safe, comforting, and loving week. And until next time, take care. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you love this episode. And if you did, would you please share it with another mom friend? We cannot support each other enough these days. And perhaps sharing this podcast will bring some light to someone else in your life. Feel free to leave a rating and a review so we can continue to have these important parenting conversations together. With that, I'll see you next time. Take care.